Hello and welcome to the Baggies Broadcast. This is episode seven. Uh, I'm Luke Hatfield and I'm joined by two very familiar faces here at Express and Star Towers. Uh, first of all, West Brom correspondent, Mr. Matt Wilson. Hi, Hi Luke. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm very well. I'm glad we've got a new manager. So uh, hopefully <laughs> things will die down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you've been brushed off your feet with all the work, I imagine. Yeah, it's been a busy uh, busy few weeks, absolutely. Yeah, and we're also joined by uh, someone who wasn't here last week, but he's come back, he's made his return. It's digital yeah. journalist and huge Baggies fan, Mr Andrew Turton. Hello, hello. I'm glad to be back. It's uh, it's like a new dawn, isn't it? You know, we've got uh, Pardew at the helm and... Um, yeah, and I've got a, a shiny new tie on that I found at the back back of my wardrobe uh, today. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of compliments about that that tie off air, by the way. Uh, I hosted the podcast two weeks ago, and you didn't do too bad with it either. Uh, well, there was a bit of stumbling, a bit of uh, you know, it was a good average performance, I think. You know, a five out of ten. A five out of ten. <laughs> Matt Wilson's player ratings, five out of ten. Yeah, he's a tough man to please. He must work harder. Indeed. Uh, so Christmas has come to the Express and Star Towers, actually. Christmas trees are out, there's a bit of tinsel around. Me, me and Turts were discussing whether we should uh, decorate our PCs with tinsel, Matt. Is that something you'd ever do? No, please don't do that. No? Sure, there I'll, is I'll there's a drawer full of tinsel on the digital desk, that's, uh, that, you know, just to bring the uh, bring the festivities the, to the office. The dust gathers for 11 months and then we, <laughs> we pull it out for one. Yeah, I don't know if it's because we work on the sports desk, but Christmas, I never really feel too festive because it's quite a busy period. <laughs> yeah. I think it's about 12 games in 14 days over Christmas, so yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be fun. Yeah, have you have you guys started your Christmas shopping? I did actually get something the other day, yeah, for, for the missus, yeah. Oh, look yeah. at that one. Me too, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, started to tick the boxes, yeah, slowly but surely, yeah. Great way to make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> I haven't started yet. <laughs> I, was looking, I was looking on Amazon on, uh, on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I was like, mm, I don't know if I can find anything Trying to get at the, the moment. Deal or no, it's a bit tricky, yeah. No, um, well, I mean, there wasn't any goals at the Hawthorne, so there wasn't anything to... To massively cheer about um, for, for Albion fans, but I suppose it was a much improved, uh, I say, well, let's say an outlook because it was attacking football at the Hawthorns for once. Uh, ended nil nil, but it certainly wasn't a nil nil which lacked excitement, was it, Matt? No, it wasn't. I mean, as you say, probably the only thing missing was was the goal, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was an encouraging start to life under Pardew. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know, he's only had two days, or he only had two days to work with his players before that game. And, you know, he, considering the injuries they had to the likes of Morrison and Chadley and Phillips, who were arguably mm-hmm. the three most creative players, Chris Brunt as well, he's a miss. Um, you know, it was probably the, the most attacking he could have been, and he showed a lot of intent from the word go, just as he said he would. I think... He deserves some credit for that. You know, he almost admitted after the game to us that the only reason, he, not the only reason, but one of the reasons he played three three forwards, Rondon, Robson, Carney and Rodriguez together, which I think is the first time they've all been picked together. It's the first time I can, I can <laughs> yeah, it was a massive statement. It was, it was basically a statement to the players and the fans. This is a new era. This is a new regime. We're going to be positive. We're going to be on the front foot. Let's go for it. Now, it did work for the first 20 minutes, I thought. I thought Robson Carney had the beating of Schlupp down the left-hand side. Mm. Uh, the right-hand side, sorry. I thought Rodriguez and Gibbs looked dangerous down the left. Um, 
But then Palace sort of grew into the game and I think Pardew recognised that and at half-time he switched to a 4-4-2 to match them. He realised his full-backs were getting a bit exposed. Mm-hmm. He realised Zahar was probably going to have Neil Montost um, uh, a few times. I mean, I, I, I was worried there was going to be a penalty at some stage because Zahar is just so, you know, so tricky in the box. And there might have been actually when Higazi clipped him. Um, so Albin got away with one there. But um, so credit to him for doing for sending that message straight away, and credit to him for changing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they were better in the second half with Rodriguez uh, in a central position with Rondon. You know, he, fit, he he went into that pocket of space sort of behind Rondon a few times. Um, he had so many shots in the game, Rodriguez. You know, he he, he does he is trying to find the net. It just sometimes lacks that tiny bit of quality right in front of goal. Mm. Um, I've still got faith in him though that that the goals will come. Um, and yeah, it was uh, you know they had twenty shots in the game, so positive a positive start. I think a lot of the fans appreciated that start um, mm, very much. So yeah, it was a bit, I mean my jaw dropped when I saw uh, Carno um, Rodriguez and uh, Chadley. Uh, sorry, not Chadley, uh, Ron Dunning. Um It was uh, fantastic for me. I mean, it was a statement of intent for Pardew. I think that's what all the fans were. were Desperate, eager to see sort of a, a lineup that sort of captured the imagination a little bit, and mm. I mean, I know that it was more through necessity rather than out and out um, wanting to play that that way. But nonetheless, you know, it, it certainly set the stall out that you know he wants to change. It is a new era, and you know, he, they're going to try at least in the first few weeks to 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 play with a bit more of, of a different style. Yeah, I mean. He was going up against his former club, Pardew. I mean, were there any signs of him getting a little bit emotionally caught up in it, or did he did he handle the occasion quite well as well? No, he was very very calm, very um, considered. I I think he's handled his first week exceptionally well, starting with his unveiling and his press conference. I thought he said all the right things there. A nice little nod to um, you know the heyday of the seventies. A promise to play attacking football. He said exactly what the fans wanted to hear. He did pretty much as much as he could. At the weekend, without getting the goal, but you know, sometimes you know he can't put the ball in the net himself. Mm. He put them out in an attacking formation. You know, he 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 then changed it to 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 match Palace, and it worked. I don't think he could have done much more. I think after the game, he didn't look. He 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 was respectful to Pulis um, in all of his comments, but you know, made it clear that he's going to be different. He was respectful to Palace. He said. I, you know, I think it's been quite an impressive first week for him. Mm. There were—I was worried after his um, pre-match press conference on the Friday that he, that he might um, drop Sam Field because he said some interesting things about experience and youth, mm. about giving you know the benefit of the doubt to experienced players. But no, he kept Sam Field in, in the team, and he was and he was rewarded with another good performance from the youngster. Um, so yeah, on the whole, it's been a very um, impressive. First few days, you know, even last night he went to um, he showed up at the Albion Foundation's um, Disability Awards evening unannounced. But mm-hmm. well, that went down like a storm. Did really well, you know. That he's just as a sort of PR exercise, I would suppose. He's he's done very well. Obviously, what ma- what matters and what counts is what's seen on the pitch. But I think there were signs on Saturday certainly that. Um, he can get this team to to not only to stay up and get the points that they need to stay up, but actually maybe have some fun on mm. the way there. Mm. 
I mean, in terms of fans, I mean, Turks, you're a, you're a big Albion fan. You obviously yeah. got you know a family of baggy fans. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how yes, how yeah. how do they seem to have taken to Pardew? Oh, the old man's loving him. I think to be honest, really. Yeah, I I think it's it has. It's just been a bit of a breath of fresh air. That the 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 downbeat nature of everything over the the. the the final few weeks of, of, of Tony Pulis being in charge had just sort of worn everyone out. Mm. I think everyone was sort of down, but you could tell the stands, everyone was moaning. You know, the people that we regularly sit by in the East stand, you know, I, I just were sick to the back teeth of everything, you know. And uh, Pardew's come in, uh, you know, and I, 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 I like the fact that he's a bit of a polished performer uh, mm. with the media and that, and he, you know, and he seems to be uh, uh, coming out with things that sort of provoke different talking points and he, he, he's throwing things out there that are uh, different to what was being spoken about in the previous week. So I, I like I like the guy's style. I mean, I, you know, obviously the proof will be in the pudding. It'll always be down to results, but I'm quite impressed with how he's coming and, 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 and I think the fans have been giving him quite a good reception. So One thing, one thing I always thought about Pulis was that he would so often big up the opposition mm. and then denigrate his own players by saying, you know, they're hard workers, they're hard runners, I can't fault their effort. We just lack that bit of quality at times. I mean, he, he said that pretty much after every game. And you sort of think, well, if you keep telling someone they're bad, mm. they're going to believe they're bad. Yeah. So I, I didn't think that was always the best sort of man management. Now, he probably said different things behind closed doors and he probably told his players, just ignore what I say in the press. It doesn't concern you. I'm just saying it to, you know manage the media um, and manage expectations and things like that but that being said if you see your manager publicly saying things like that you you must think well hang about you know we're not we're not just hard workers hard runners you know players like Morrison Chadley Rodriguez even Mm -hmm. you know they shouldn't be reduced to that and I think what Pardew has done or will do and this is why the longer it's gone on the more I think it's quite a shrewd appointment is he will say to them he will make them feel like a million dollars and he will say to them, look, you are good players. You can be good players. And I'm going I'm to allow you, give you the platform and a base to go and do that. And I think we saw that um, you know, on Saturday uh, with, with how he set the team up and, and how he tried to get them on the front foot. And I'm, sh- I'm, I'm hoping that the players respond to that. Because um, mm. you're talking about it being a breath of fresh air for the fans. Mm. I'm sure it's a breath of fresh air for well, the players too. I think you put made a good point with, with people like Johnny Evans, you know, how instantly they sort of seem, uh, you know, a little more revitalised. And, and I mean, maybe that's always the case with a new manager whenever they come in. But, you know, it seems to have, have gone through the squad and, and, and freshened up their, their performances a little from what I saw mm. on the weekend. Yeah, I'd say the one thing is certainly does help is the way that West Brom are almost perceived by, by players who are con- maybe considering it as a destination in, in transfer windows. Because, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, Pulis brought in a number of good players um, and obviously improved the squad. But if if I was a player and I see a manager regularly, not, not knocking his own players, but like you said, saying that they're hard workers... Maybe not giving them all the credit they deserve. Yeah, um, it would almost make me think, "Oh, is that a place I want to go to?" Well, I don't know about that. Cause that's a bit of a misnomer for me. I think you know a lot of people have said, uh, "Oh, you know, why would you go and sign for West Brom because of the football they played under Pulis?" Mm-hmm. But look at who Pulis signed: yeah. Rodriguez, Chadley, Krakowiak, Gibbs. Mm. You know, I, I don't think players actually take that into account. You know, they they, they it might be in the back of their mind. But I think more importantly is the fact, and, and when you speak to them, what they what they actually like is managers saying, "I will, I really like you. I will pick you." Mm. Um, and okay, maybe 
someone like Livermore or um, somebody like Krakowiak, after a few games, might get a bit tired of the of the approach uh, under Pulis, and and you know I think Krakowiak certainly started to get a bit disillusioned with it. You could see that in his performances. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the actual act of signing a player, I don't think it comes into it. You know, quite often those players are looking for first team football, you know, yeah. in the case of Chadley and, and Krakowiak and, and, and Gibbs. And, you know, if a manager, you know, sweet talks them and says, look, I really like you, I will pick you, they will come no matter. Um, I, I, I always thought that that, that argument that it, it, his style was hindering action in the transfer window was a bit of a misnomer. Mm, no, fair enough. Uh, another man who was in the, the opposing dugout was one which Baggies fans will know well, Mr Roy Hodgson. What kind of reception did he get? Oh, very good. He's, uh, you know, Roy did excellently for West Brom. You know, he, 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 the side that he created arguably was the foundations for, for where we even still stand today, you know, mm. in terms of uh, Premier League stability and, and, and ensuring that the club, he working behind the scenes with, with Jeremy Peace and that in, in those, you know, creating that that foundation for, for where we are now, you know, he'd always be sort of, uh, you know, uh, a legend when it comes you, to West Brom. You could yeah. argue he's their most successful manager in the Premier League, mm. yeah, I would definitely. say. Got into 11th and then 10th and then really set the foundations for yeah. that, that season under that, Steve Clark, of course, yeah. where they finished 8th, you know. Yeah. you know that The first half of that season, oh. Albion were brilliant, but then when, it was almost when, as Hodgson's influence ebbed away and Clark's influence yeah. came in, they yeah. started to tail off. Mm. So I think, you know, Hodgson got a great reception I think the fans played. I think the fans played it really well on on Saturday. You know, they 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 warmly received Pardew. They gave him a, a nice little burst. They gave him a little clap. You <laughs> yeah. know, and they said, you know, Alan Pardew, give us a wave. Yeah. Pardew gave him a wave. And then <laughs> and then after that, so they gave you know they gave him his dues. And mm-hmm. after that, they turned on to Roy and said, Hodgson, give us a wave. And you know, sang all the songs about mm-hmm. Hodgson. Now there were a few more people I think singing about Hodgson than Pardew, but that's because Hodgson's earned it, and Pardew yeah. has not yet at the Hawthorns. But I thought that the, the the crowd seemed in a in a boisterous mood. You know, I was a bit disappointed with the attendance, which was uh, you know one of the lowest of the season, and there were still quite a few empty blue seats there. Mm. And I wonder if that's because of um, this general feeling that the Pardew appointment is not an exciting one. They potentially, maybe it's still that that slight bit of is is a little bit of a character in terms of whether he's galvanising everyone together a little bit. But uh, maybe it was Christmas shopping and that as well. Who knows? But um, generally, I think those fans will start to be brought back into it when they see hopefully a bit of a project that he's creating with with the way yeah. that he's setting the team. Or... And wins and wins count. I mean, we saw last season when yeah. when Pulis was starting to win games, fans started to return. So actually, it's the results that matter. Of course. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought the crowd actually. Um, those that were there um, were, were got really behind not only Pardew but also the team, especially in the second half, where they they could sense that okay, we're having a go here. Mm. And uh, you know, in, in his program notes, Pardew said it's up to us to put something on the pitch that the fans want to see, and then hopefully that will in, they will get loud and that and that will in turn spur us on. And you could almost see that happen in the game. You know, in the second half. There was, I think, there was a point where Hagazi chested the ball down. I mean, Hagazi was brilliant, by the way. Apart, you know, apart from the one, the one error where he might have given away a penalty, he was fantastic mm. all game. Mm. Um, he, you know, he chested the ball down, brought it out from the pitch, and the roar in the Hawthorns was was probably, you know, apart from the, maybe the Mexican game. Yeah, it was the, it was more than I've heard um, the roar this season. Um, you know, it was a completely different nil nil to the nil nil against West Ham, where I don't mm. think they managed a shot on target and didn't, you know, barely laid, laid a glove on. On what was what is a poor West Ham side, um, 
So it was, you know, it was it was a strange nil nil because I, on another day it could have been four yeah. two. I thought, oh. but yeah, it was, you know, it, positive signs. I think that the relationship between Pardew and the fans has got off on the right foot, mm. and um, you know that's that's down to the man himself, and and, and hopefully he could, you know, a big win round the corner maybe this weekend will will we'll only do that wonders. Yeah, I mean, if you'd have offered Alan Pardew a draw ahead of the game, do you reckon he would have taken it? Yes. Yeah. I think he would have done, considering the injuries he had and the, 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 the lack of time that he had um, to work with the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, speaking to him afterwards, what was more important for him was the performance. And, and actually, he was encouraged by what he saw. Um, he was saying there was a 15-minute spell just before half-time and we lost control of the game. And we got pulled out of position and we were getting dragged around the place. Now, Pulis was happy to let that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't mind that happening. Pardew doesn't seem to... He said, no, we can't let that happen. We can't let teams dictate to us. We have to dictate to teams, um, which is nice to hear. Um, and he was disappointed with that, and that's why he changed it. And so uh, but apart from that 15-minute spell, he, he he thought that Albion bossed the game, and he, and he was you know pleased about that afterwards. He, I think, like everybody else, that all the fans that were there, you know, he thought it's a stepping stone. That being said, it is still 14 games without a win, mm. and this team looks like they've forgotten how to win. So mm. that is the big thing uh, that he needs to change. I suppose that's the most worrying thing. I mean, um, an interesting story which came out on, on the night after the game, which I saw you tweet about actually, uh, which gave me a bit of a chuckle, was, was uh, Roy Hodgson talking about the pre-game preparations. Um, it's not something I expected to hear, but um, delayed trains, Indian weddings, what, what happened there? Yeah, poor Roy. I mean, as, as Turks was saying earlier, he's, he is, you know, uh, very well liked at Alwyn, but... I think his time, his, his time with England is as as. Um, but I guess he's got this persona of uh, maybe like a bit of a bit of a bumbling old man. <laughs> it's a bit of a father, grandfather figure, grandfather really, figure really. Yeah, yeah. but you know his celebrations are fantastic. I mean, I think that's um, that would that's unfair for somebody who's had so long in the game and you know can speak four languages and and is very, you know his and, CV and, is and, phenomenal. And just yeah. look what he's doing to Palace, by the way. He, I think he will keep them up. So it's it's an unfair shtick that he's got, mm. but it is there nonetheless because of that Iceland game, and um, it is <laughs> what he said after the after the game. I suppose just reinforced it when he said that Palace got on the train. It was delayed by three and a half hours. There, it was the lights were off. There were no toilet facilities. They this was on the Friday. Yeah, they got into Birmingham uh, five hours too late. You know, <laughs> got in half nine. They you know they'd been cramped on the train all day. And then there was an, um, a massive Indian wedding at the hotel they'd booked. So they were kept up to all man- all hours of the morning. <laughs> so bless them. I mean, the fair. I and mean, he was saying, I'm, like, I'm not making excuses. But even after that, you know, they had two players injured uh, in the warm up. Well, no, sorry, um, one player caught a virus overnight, and then the goalkeeper got injured in the warm up. So it wasn't great preparation for Palace, and you know they, the, but they stuck at it. Um, and I think that's what Hushing gives you, doesn't he? You know, he, mm. he, he 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 makes teams hard to beat, and. Um, I fully expect him to keep them up, and, and I really hope he does. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Palace uh, struggle as much as they did to begin the season anyway. Um, you touched on Hagazi standing out. Were there any other really, really good performers for West Brom? From, well, go on, Terrence. Well, no, uh, field again, really. You know, he, he, the, the lad's really taken, uh, you know, uh, he's really sort of stepping up to the mark a little bit. Uh, he's obviously got the backing of the fans, you know, they're singing his name from the off at the mm-hmm. minute. And um, I, it's hard because you really don't want to build those expectations too high. You know that you can't rely on that kid to to 
to, to sort of almost uh, you know be the figurehead for the midfield going forward at the minute with the absence of Morrison and Chadley. But mm-hmm. you know, for me, I'm really impressed with his, his composure. You know, he seems like a different player to the guy that I was seeing sort of fleeting in and out maybe last season. You know, he feels like he, he physically is a little bit more um, able to 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 cope with the demands of the Premier League and the you know the high pace of it and uh, and uh, you know yeah I'm really impressed with how he's performing yeah for me he's certainly bulked up mm-hmm. um, that 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 is clear I mean even just interviewing him this season I, I was almost not blown away but I, I, could, I it was noticeable that he's mm. bulked up um, he's got that this great knack of arriving in the box late as well um, which he got his goal against Newcastle and yeah. a few chances against um, against Palace as well um, but yeah like you say it's the swagger mm. of him and now he's not. He's not a, an arrogant boy by any stretch. You know, he, he's. I, I'm. I'm really impressed with his um, with his mentality and his character off the pitch. He's very humble. You know, he's still living with his parents and and you know, com- completely down to earth, really level headed. But it's the swagger on the pitch when he's on the ball. He just doesn't seem phased. Um, and Do you I think, think he's growing a little bit in confidence with having Livermore there with him and, and with Barry and Krakowiak in there. I as think well, so, probably. Know? I yeah. think I think that does help. You know, I, mean, I think maybe the the three man midfield. There's a bit of um, a bit of um, platform. There's a bit of license for him to go and express yeah, himself a bit definitely. more. I think I just think he's I just think he's his game is um, improving. Maybe no. maybe it's just that personality of it all, really. I mean, you know, you never know how you're going to play and how you're going to sort of be until you until you actually, you know, put yourself in that situation. And obviously, you know, he, he's thriving at the minute. It's just making sure. I think he's got a good person with Pardew under him, you know, to... Um, to, you know, a guy who's very experienced and has, you know, managed London clubs, managed Newcastle, where the expectations are sort of backed by fifty thousand fans every week. You know, so it can only help a guy like that, really. I think the the other players who I thought played well, I think Johnny Evans is back to his best. I yeah. mean, a lot of fans were saying that um, Higazi was, you know, man of the match, but but for me it was Evans because he was in the right place at the right time in all the big moments. I mean, mm. there was a couple of crosses that came across. That Benteke or Zaha were lurking two yards out, and he cleared them. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I also thought that Kieran Gibbs was brilliant again. I think he's been Albin's most consistent performer on this bad run. He's been he's been absolutely fantastic since since his arrival from Arsenal. Um, and I thought Jake Livermore had a good game. I think he's 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 playing well at the moment as well. Um, and of course, Rondon as well looks re- you know revitalised and rejuvenated since uh, in the last three games. So yeah, there were plenty of positive signs. I thought. Yeah, I mean, we we did touch on field, but another youngster who who's been pulling up trees out on loan is is Tyler Roberts, and um, although Pardew has commented on Johnny Evans saying that he's he's one player um, he obviously wants to try and keep at the club. I mean, the deal with Tyler Roberts now is contracts up in the summer, and the the most worrying thing now is he's, he's been linked with teams outside of the country, um, which could mean less compensation for Robin if he does decide to go. I mean. Is is Pardew? I mean, is Pardew going to be made fully aware of, of Robert's situation? I'm sure he'll be made fully aware. Yeah, but you've got to give um, give him time to get his feet under the table. I mean, when he came in, he came in on Wednesday. He had two days with the with the senior players. I mean, we asked him about Oliver Burke mm. um, ahead of the Palace game, and, and his response was, "Yeah, he's a great talent. You know, got um, you know got lots of potential, but I'm concentrating on the first eleven. So yeah. he's not even looking at. I mean, Burke came off the bench on so he cut, he hasn't even had time to look at his substitutes. He's just concentrating on the first eleven at the moment. Mm. Um, this week he'll probably have a bit more time, 
um, to, to have a look at maybe his squad players. Okay, who who do I like? What formation? What system can I work with? But I'm afraid that at this at this stage, you know, the youngsters out on loan just won't figure in his in his um, in his in you know in any of his thoughts, and and they shouldn't really because that is something that needs to be dealt with in a couple of weeks' time once he's got his feet under the table. What's important right now is the, getting a win at Swansea because mm. that is a huge game, and uh, I know. A lot of fans are worried about the Roberts situation, and yeah, it does look like he, he it could could possibly be on his way out in January because he's got his contract has been is, is is up at the end of the season. He's obviously done very well at Shrewsbury and at Warsaw now, and there are lots of clubs interested. Um, you know, Albion are going to um, offer him a new deal. They are going to enter into contract negotiations negotiations with him because they think he's a, a bright star and they they want to keep him. But if somebody else comes along with with a better offer you never know um it depends what's on the table i think to, to, to tyler one thing i would say is that roberts is uh, a known home bird mm. um, he struggled on his um when he was on i think he was on like, oxford and he struggled there because he wasn't living he was living away from home yeah. the reason he's done so well at Shrewsbury and warsaw is because he's been able to live with his parents whilst uh, whilst uh, being on loan so that might be that might be in albion's favor on that one um mm. we just have to wait and see but no i don't think pardew is really concerned by it at the moment and nor should he be yeah what about the links with uh Higazi? i mean reports of liverpool and leicester eyeing him up but uh Per an article that you actually put out earlier on this week, uh, first refusal right for Albion? Yeah, I mean it, it, the, the loan deal is is with an option to buy in the summer, so there nobody else can swoop in and 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 scupper those plans. Albion of Albion at the moment have every intention of buying him. Uh, mm. I think it's between three and a half million or four million pounds that they have to pay Al Ali in the summer, um, and they they've got that option until the thirtieth of June. So. I, unless you know he picks up a, a career-ending injury or, or his form tails off dramatically, I, I, I fully imagine that Albin will will um, you know will, will trigger that option, buy him in the summer because he's been superb. Mm. Well, it's looking like a snip, isn't it? Really, when you compare some of the prices that have been going around for uh, for our man at Southampton, and uh, his name escapes me, Van Dyke, Van Dyke, and that you know, I mean, <laughs> for three or four million pounds, you're getting a guy who's performed excellently so far. But I was interested about Burke, really. You know, uh, obviously, Pardew, like Matt's just said, he wouldn't have been able to have enough time to assess him through training and everything. But uh, it does seem a little bit strange that he's he's still not maybe figuring in the first team plans, given the the players that are uh, out at the moment. I don't know what you, you guys think, but I, I, it seems strange for, for that. You know, he's, obviously he's, he's had his injury problems and he's been in and out like that. But you know, it seems strange that again, you know, he, he's still not seemingly anywhere near the first eleven at the minute. That's well, the worrying thing for me is that that's two managers now who have insinuated that he's not fit enough. Mm. Pulis and Pardew, and you know, as we've already discussed, Pardew wanted to be positive. He was a he was intent on being positive, but and Burke is a positive, direct player. Mm. Uh, but he just said some of his comments saying, you know, he looks like he needs games. I, for, it looks like that Burke is probably just not match fit at the moment, not not fit enough to start. Um, and you've got to remember, he's only young. He's only twenty years old. Yeah. Mm. So you know, Albion have given him a five-year contract. So I'm I'm not getting worried about it. At, 
at the moment, you know, even when they signed him, Pulis said, look, this is not one for the immediate future. This is one for long term. I think maybe, again, especially nowadays, with, with the way it's reported across the board on transfer deadline days and things like that, you see th- figures banded around and he obviously comes with a bit of a price tag and that... That means that you know people are keen to see him and see what you what you've got for your money really. But um, like you said, five year contract is always going to be a sort of more long term prospect. And also, I know I know the fifteen million pound price tag is, is sort of like you say hanging over him. But you've got to remember that um, potential now sells for more than experience. Yeah. You know, Gareth Barry sold for one million pounds because he's coming towards the end of his career. Yeah, uh, youngsters go for much more because in three or four years time. Even if Burke has a middling career at Albion, he'll probably be, be worth more than fifteen million. Yeah, you only need to look at like Nathan Ake when he went to like Bournemouth. That was twenty million pounds mm. for someone who, you know, he didn't. I mean, he was a decent performer, but I mean, you wouldn't expect him to go for twenty million. It's because of his age. That's the reason he yeah, went for such no, a high. Right, younger players are more expensive <coughs> now, and, and that's 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 just the way it is because of the sell-on value. Mm. Uh, we'll move on and touch a little bit on uh, the uh, the statue, which uh, I mean we've reported on this week. Uh, the three degrees, uh, Cunningham, Batson, obviously Regis um, could be in place by the end of the season in West Brom. Yeah, I- I'd reported on it quite a lot often uh, myself. I went to the night um, that f- uh, they had Frank Skinner at the Birmingham Town Hall and had sort of uh, eight hundred. Army baggies fans in there, you know, listening to tales from that from that era and and, and featuring figures from like uh, Big Ron and and, and obviously Regis and, uh, and Batson were there as well. Mm. You know, it, it's been a longer waited thing. It, it is something that you know has been in the pipeline now for at least two or three years. And uh, you know, there's obviously been discussions behind the scenes and where it was going to be placed, whether it was going to be better to be. Uh, outside the Hawthorns, naturally, or whether it be in the town centre where it'd be sort of visible to a lot more people. I think that's maybe part of what's been happening behind the scenes. Obviously, they've been continuing fundraising as well uh, through uh, various dinners and, and, and auctions and other events, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be lovely to see, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're three icons, not only for West Brom, but for, for football in this country in general, you know, and mm. to celebrate them with something that, that you know, um, marks their their achievements would be uh, would be a fitting tribute, I believe. Well, I think it's it's this has dragged on quite a long time, so um, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. To be honest, yeah. it, it, you know, it's it's yeah, it's been a it's been a long time coming. So hopefully it gets done, but yeah, like I say, yeah, yeah there's no guarantees yet. Yeah, uh, so I've got a little mini segment prepared for you both, um, given that they're getting a statue. Are there any other Albion names that you'd like to see immortalised in the statue in the future? Maybe Salomon Rondon? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. With his hat-trick of headers? <laughs> Certainly far too early for that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe there'll be a sort of Tony Pulis bust with uh, just a cap <laughs> somewhere uh, positioned, um, you know, to his... Uh, uh, to uh, remind the Albion fans of his achievements, maybe, but um, I, I don't know. Uh, who could we have? Um, I'd like maybe John Wall and Ali Rob. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I just reading today that they they played 570 games together at the back mm. in that partnership, yeah. which is unbelievable. I mean, not yeah. many players even reach 570 appearances in their career. Yeah. Let alone for one club. Let alone together with another defender. I mean, it's it's a I find that's a fantastic stat, yeah. fantastic achievement, and uh, yeah, I'm mean, just because I like centre backs really. So I, I, I'd like to see maybe one, one of them 
going up for a header together. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. Someone, um, uh, yeah, uh, of course, uh, Tony Bomber Brown. Yeah, uh, you know there, there is plenty in the pipeline too on a Tony. Though aren't there? Uh, am I right? I don't know. Um, I thought there was some talk, but certainly him. Uh, you know, to to honour his career with the Albion would be um, yeah. Mm. Um, and one man who's uh, has applied Albion uh, actually today. This news broke is that of uh, Jerry Francis. I mean, we discussed this in a video, Matt. Um, it might be a bit of a blow uh, to see him go, but I mean, you can understand the reasons behind it, can't you? Yeah, um, Alan Pardew wanted to keep Jerry Francis on in his backroom staff for a couple of reasons. Firstly, he's got 50 years of experience in, in the game, you know, very well respected. Um, he's seen it all, really, let's be honest. And he, you know, manager of Spurs and, and, and uh, QPR as well. But also because he knew this group of players and, and Pardew wanted to keep that sort of continued continuity you know, mm. um, just to make ease the ease the transition somewhat. Uh, but Francis um, looked at the offer um, and has, you know, respectfully declined it um, purely because I think there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, um, his mother's not well at the moment, mm-hmm. um, so he's going to take some time out of the game and look after her. But secondly, um, he fa- he's got sort of a moral obligation obligation to Pulis, who he's been working with, you know, for the best part of ten years now since yeah. he was at Stoke, followed him to Palace. So I think he'd probably. Will um, pitch up uh, wherever Pulis goes next. Yeah, sad to see him go. And oh, I think he's been a, a good member of the backroom staff. You know, like you said, uh, from a continuity point of view, as much as anything, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen some roles at least in the short term for him and, and both Ga- and maybe Gary Mason as well. You know, just to sort of aid that because you're in a busy period with Christmas and everything else. And I, I just think it wouldn't hurt for for Pardew to have those sort of experienced people around him. But he's got his own, he, he will have his own. Mix. I don't know about the Mexican thing though. I think, yeah. you, I think you need a clean break really from that. Um, I think, you know, as much as, uh, you know, as an Albion fan, I've got a special place in my heart for Mexican like a lot of us. <laughs> but I think he was part, sort of part of the problem maybe okay. um, during the uh, during that poor run, you know. And he, he, you need to, if you're going to have this um, change, this sea change uh, in the dressing room, I think maybe he, he needed to go as well as well as the um, as well as the as well as Pulis, and uh, a clean break maybe is is, is best uh, for for everybody. I thought. Mm. So we'll move on. We have got a little bit of segment prepared for you uh, called Points for Pardew, right? So uh, a bit of alliteration there. But we're talking about the hectic December schedule earlier, and um, Albion. I mean, for the rest of December's fixtures, they can amass a total of eighteen points if they're to win every single one of those games. I'm just going to run through each game. Um, I'm going to try and get a prediction of you, how many points you'll reckon they'll get from each game, and then obviously you'll come up with a total at the end of the month. Uh, so obviously the first game is against Swansea, that's away, then we've got Liverpool, Manchester United, two tough games there, Stoke away, Everton at home, and then Arsenal at home to round off the month. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Um, Swansea away? It's got to be three points. Liverpool? Liverpool at home, is it? It's, it's is away. it away? It's away. It's, Liverpool are a lot better at Anfield, to be They're very good at Anfield this year, aren't they? I fancy, I reckon, if, after you know confidence boosting, three points will get a draw there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Manchester United at home. Uh, I think that's probably going to lose that one. Yeah. Stoke away? Or be, uh, being positive, you know... Jumping on the Pardew bandwagon, go on three points. All right, okay, I'll win away. Uh, Everton at home. Everton have struggled, but now they've got Big Sam in. Mm. So it's a bit more worrying now, isn't it? Yeah. Different proposition, isn't it, really, that one? Mm. Uh, Draw. Draw. And then round it off with Arsenal at home. Uh, 
Oh, I think we might lose that one. Right. So eight points from 18. You reckon Pardew would take that? I think he probably would, considering you've got Arsenal, Everton, United and Liverpool in there. Mm. If you can win Swansea and Stoke, anything else you get is a bonus, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, Maybe the Everton home game you'd be targeting as well. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, eight points, that would put them on 21 points at, at Christmas. I don't think that's a bad turnaround, really, to be honest. I think you're right in the uh, uh, analysis of the other week. You know, potentially about seven wins would probably just see you over the line with a few draws along the way. So I think, yeah, to pick up a couple of wins before the end of the year now would, um, would you know, after such a sticky patch as well, would would, would satisfy most Baggies fans, I think. Yeah, so Matt's sticking with eight points. Tuts, are you going to be a bit more... A bit more. Um, are you going to let your heart lead you more than your head? <laughs> so Swansea away. I'm assuming you're going for three points. Yeah, I am. I'm trying to avoid it. Me calling it a must win because I, I'd hate for it to sort of you know us to lose it and it be you know that's ev- unfair everyone to do. Wise. Yeah, I yeah. say that's unfair in the second I, game. I think so definitely. I think that you know we don't want to start heaping the pressure on too much. So, I, I, but I do think Swansea are on a poor you know. Uh, Paul at home and that, so I, I do think that we can do uh, we can we can win up there. They're yeah, certainly struggling for goals. Swansea. Yeah, very certainly much. Yeah, uh, Liverpool away uh, might struggle. We've got a Liverpool fan on our desk, uh, Mr. Harry Lever, and uh, I'm sure he'd be uh, desperate for three points at Anfield. So, uh, but no, I think we might struggle up there. Yeah, yeah. Man U at home. Do you reckon you can get anything from that one? Uh, again, my brother-in-law's a Man U fan, so uh, he might <laughs> that people. Uh, there's a bit of a split loyalty now family again with that one but yeah may struggle with that again I think yeah so no points from either of those Stoke, no. Stoke away yeah there's a good part there's a good chance that we can do at Stoke I think they've been uh, patchy to say the least um, uh, this season so I think there's always scope that we could go up there they're not it's not quite the fortress that it once was no three points from that one then yeah Everton at home again coming off the back of the Stoke game if we put in any coverage in display we may just sneak it. I mean, it's going to be a bit of a, a attritional game, I think, potentially. But no, why not? Yeah, three um, points. Last one, Arsenal at home. Again, we may struggle. It depends on whether it's... We're right into the mix of Christmas then. If it's a game where there's been a few changes for Arsenal and stuff, you may just pick them on a good day. But, um, yeah, I won't put... Zero uh, points. So zero nine total. Yeah. Nine total, that's not good. Yeah. You know, you've... Uh, you've You've gone one up on that. So we'll, we'll see at the end of the month. Oh, yeah, just, I've really just, lot of, put my neck on the line there. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll be the judge in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time just to see how well we've done there. Um, we have had questions come in. Uh, we apologised last week. We were absolutely brushed off our feet. Obviously, all the Pardew stuff came out, all that news. We didn't get round to people's questions, but uh, we have managed to get round to them today. Um, and we've had a fair few come in, so we do appreciate all of these questions which have come in, and we, we're sure to uh, try and answer all of them to the best of our ability for you, uh, best of our ability for you. And the first question actually comes from a man in this room. It's <laughs> Mr. Andrew Turton. Oh right, uh, Andrew Turton. Last week, uh, he asks, "Is Alan Pardew more of a baseball cap or a flat cap?" 
kind of guy. Oh, well, I think he's certainly a flat cap sort of guy. I think right. he's. See, I just thought he's be he's a trendy guy. You know, he seemed to turn up with a bit of swagger and that. It. I don't think he was going to be on them cold days. Although I saw him sporting a very sort of nice. Uh, he, he went straight for a woolly hat and training. I've seen pictures of him. Uh, yeah, but it was. Mm. I mean, it was bitterly cold. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? I mean, it was minus five. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Uh, I reckon, yeah, flat cap. I reckon we're in Peaky Blinders season, aren't we? So oh, yeah, yeah. Get a flat cap on, get the long That's trench it. coat on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I reckon it, I, I can see him doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah sticking with the trend. Yeah. Uh, Sean Lloyd asks how many points we expected to get this busy month. Obviously, we've just answered that one, Sean. So hopefully we've there been, you go, Sean. Uh, hopefully we've, uh, we've preempted that answer for you. Uh, Graham Scott, he asks, do we think that Pardew will change a little bit from his previous jobs as this may well be his last chance at this level. I mean, you've touched on this with Nathan in the fact that if if he was to if he was to leave like he did at Palace, that he probably wouldn't have got a job like the West Brom one. Yeah, I think he's um, he's got this reputation for being quite confident, uh, bordering on arrogant. Um, but actually, having spoken to him and, uh, a few times now, I, d- I wonder if um, he seems a bit more humble now. A bit he. he yeah, there's a bit of humility there. I think maybe maybe from his his time out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said earlier, been very impressed with him um, off the pitch so far. So um, I, I just wonder if maybe you know we we, we sort of saw Pulis mellow a bit mm. um, at, at at Albion. You know, he wasn't as much of the um, firebrand that he was perhaps at Stoke. Mm. And I just wonder if a sort of similar thing could happen to Pardew who's almost like a similar age he's 56 now whether he's I don't want to say mellowing but um, becoming more considered more you know well every experience you go through you learn a little bit from it you know maybe he has taken on board some of the things that happened previously and and, you know wants to just it's a clean slate try try and be you know Maybe a bit more well-rounded. Yeah. I, I, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, yeah. I think he might. Um, if the question was, you know, be a bit different. I think he might be a bit, a bit different. I mean, the new the um, Palace fans were singing at the weekend. Alan Pardew, it's not all about you, or it's mm. all about you. I think uh, you know, it's sort of suggesting that you know during his time um, when he was at Palace manager, you know, th- they got upset or annoyed that he was eyeing up the England job. Mm. And almost using it as a sort of stepping stone to that, but I, I wonder if I think Pardew might have um, not—I uh, don't want to say changed his ways. That's probably a bit too strong, but m- maybe just dampened down a bit that that sort of ambition and 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 be ready to knuckle down and, and really get to work with Albion. Mm. Uh, and Kieran Maguire, uh, he's asked. Uh, we all know we need to bring in a capable striker in January, but forgetting wage budgets and selling before buying, etc. Who can you see Pardew chasing this January? Who can I see him chasing in January for a striker? For um, a striker or, or or across the pitch elsewhere, if you feel there's somewhere he may really need to target. Uh, it's an interesting question and probably one that I can't really answer with any authority purely because, you know, he's yet to even decide himself what mm. he needs because he needs you know he's only had two days with his squad. I I, I think uh, well since we've spoken to him, he'll probably get a bit more of an idea this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think even he 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 knows what what he I mean he needs. When he was asked about January, you know, last week he was he was almost sort of batting it away, saying, "Look, these are questions for five weeks' time. I've got no idea what I need there." Mm. I think I think there's a good there's a good core group in there, and sure, he's he's bound to identify areas that he needs. But I think the Albion squad, 
it's kind of balanced at the moment. You know, it, it might need another creative midfielder, I'd argue. Mm. It might need another centre back as well, uh, particularly if uh, if Evans goes in January. Uh, although Pardew has said that he doesn't want to sell him, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but no, I, I'm sorry I can't answer that purely because I don't think Pardew himself knows. Mm. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think there's a name out, out there totally. I think he, his main focus he will, will be trying to get Rondon and Rodriguez scoring, mm. uh, you know, uh, a bit more consistently and, 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 and figuring out which out of those he's, he, he, you know, he really favours um, as other players start to bring uh, be brought back in. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I think from the outside, I mean, I kind of echo what you said, Matt. They've got a very strong core. I mean, you look at. The goalkeeper is not an issue. Ben yeah. Foster's, you know, he's been a great servant and he continue continue to be. Johnny Evans, if he stays, I mean, he's solid. You've got Hagazi, who, if he does come on a permanent, if Albion do choose to to make that a permanent deal, then you've got him as well. I mean, yeah, McCauley's slightly older; he's getting on. But I mean, even in that midfield, you've got, you mean, you've got the central midfield. So no, they've got they've got three defensive midfielders who, you know, plus Sam Field. Yeah. I mean, I'd argue that maybe you do need a striker who can bang you in 20 goals, but I mean, how often do you see them come along? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like you said, a creative influence maybe in the midfield. That obviously depend on how NASA Chadley does. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, if, if, Chad, if Chadley decides he's going to move on and, you know, the Swansea links are back up, then, yeah, maybe, you know, you need a replacement. Whereas if Chadley comes back in and he's showing the form that he did when he first came to Albion... I don't think you need to worry yeah. too much there. I think I think I'd be surprised if Pardew and the club as a whole sort of are looking to release players. I mean, naturally, the, the Johnny Evans is going to be the, the main story of the transfer window, you know, and it's going to just be how deep are the pockets for for Man City really and, and any other suitors. Um, so, but I, I, you know, regarding Chadley, especially now, I don't particularly see him going in January. So I think he's now in the mix that he, he's got to fight for his place when, also, he, when he can be fit. I also think if you had Rondon and Rodriguez up top together and maybe a Chadley in behind, mm. together those two could get you that 20 goals that you wanted. You know, yeah. Maybe if one got you, one they each got you 10. Um, yeah. And I've been encouraged by the performances of Cano as well. I mean, he scored an, uh, yeah. a, a nice little header uh, against Newcastle, you know, and I, I think he can chip in and support as well. So he, you only need Rodriguez and Rondon to sort of, you know, be scoring, you know, every one in three and, and, and that. You know, you would get the mix quite well, I think, between the three of them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always hard to bring back names as well because, like, for example, the likes of Dini were linked when, when Pulis was there. So you've got to think that Pardew is going to have a completely different mindset in terms of who he's going to bring in who he's going to want and who he fancies so mm. I mean we've seen Dean Elon with the with Everton recently yeah. so I mean it's one of them where because it's a new manager it's hard to really detail you know potential targets until we actually see in January who yeah. he's really focusing his eye on uh, we'll move on to Swansea now obviously a big big game for Pardew um, you know Paul Clements men really are in a heap of trouble now bottom of the table struggling for goals um, it's got to be one where it's a, not a nailed on three points, but one way you'd really be targeting them three points, surely. Yeah, yeah, right, it's got to be, I think. I, again, like I said, alluded to, you don't want to focus too uh, too much on it being must-win, but I think they're, they're a team right for the taking at the minute, and with the improvements that I've seen through the last couple of games, admittedly, of course, you know, they, they slumped to uh, conceding late goals with Newcastle, but I, I do think that they've got to... You know, seize the opportunity away from home. Maybe the pressure will slightly be off again, and let, you know they'll they'll have uh, the the uh, good away for a following. And you know, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed, please. I think I think the important thing is to just go out there and have some attacking intent, <coughs> and just have a go at them. Because I think in the past, it's certainly this season, Albion have been guilty 
of playing opposition teams into form. Um, you know, think about the Southampton game yeah. where they they won a rocky patch of form. They hadn't scored in eight and ten, and Albion invited them onto them and said, "Look, come on, come and have a go at us if you if you fancy it." And Southampton mm-hmm. grew in confidence. Huddersfield as well couldn't score for Toffee. Albion did the same thing. So as long as they go out with the same positive attitude that they did um, in his first game and really take the game to Swansea, put them on the back foot and play on the front foot, I I expect them to to you know to turn them over. I do, I do think they they can get the three points here. You know, even if it's just a two-one or a one-nil or whatever it is, I, I do think that this is this has to be the game where they get that win because mm-hmm. they can't. You know, then it, then it'll be fifteen games without a win, and it and that is mm-hmm. a long, long time. Mm. I mean, are we going to see the, the three up front, which we well, the, the three player, three attacking players, which we saw last weekend? I'd, I'd be surprised. Um, you know, it depends what Swansea play. I. I haven't done any prep for the game yet, so I'm not sure what Swansea are playing this season. Mm. Um, I would be surprised, though. I think he might go with four four two. It depends if Phillips and Brunt are back fit. Um, they both face, you know, late fitness tests, and they're hoped it's hoped that they're going to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if Phillips is fit, he's definitely in the team. If Brunt is fit, he could be in the team as well, based on what Pardew said about his uh, threat from set plays. Mm. And we saw we saw talk of uh, how much Pardew respects Kovac, and then it was it was almost strange to see not to see him, you know, used too heavily uh, in the first game. Did he even make the pitch? It didn't come on, no. Um, so, you know, it's one I don't of, think. No, no, I don't. I mean, he almost compares a little bit to Renato Sanchez for Swansea, who's come in, he's got this massive name. Everyone thinks he's going to take the lead by storm, and he's not done it quite yet. He's fifth choice centre midfield at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, he, Livermore, Barry and Field all got picked ahead of him in the first game. Yeah. Jakob came on, mm. not him, not Krakowiak, although it was, you know, it was an opportunity to put Krakowiak on. Yeah. Pardew opted for Jakob. Jakob had a great game. And mm. we understand that Jakob's probably going to start against Swansea because Barry has got this... Um, Thigh uh, pull that he it probably ruled him out for that game. Yeah. So it, it's a strange, you know, Krakowiak's. It's a strange situation. Um, you know, he's on massive money. Albion are paying hundred thousand pound a week for him. Mm. Um, double Europa League winner, PSG star, but he's fifth choice behind yeah. you know a teenager, a veteran midfielder. Mm. Livermore's an England international. I think Livermore's played well, um, and Jakob. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. He. He, it's a big week on the training ground for him this week because he's got to prove to Pardew that he is worth a punt and he's worth putting on. Because I think, reading between the lines, Pulis was dragging him off earlier and earlier towards the end of his reign. He obviously was not putting the, the work and all the running in. Megson was obviously not pleased with what he was doing, so he didn't even start him, didn't even play him. Mm. And I think Megson probably told Pardew, you know, this lad's attitude is not is not spot on at the moment. Mm. So if Pardew can talk him rounds, there's obviously a player in there somewhere and hopefully we'll see some more from him. But if he doesn't, then you know it, it could be a long old season for him. And uh, PSG might think about whether they can recall him or not. I'm not sure whether they can. I mean, I don't watch a lot of particularly uh, league on uh, uh, French football per se. But I'm led to believe, you know, that the, the style, lead, you know, PSG often, uh, you know, are the leading team there with, with Monaco as well. But maybe the Premier League sort of style isn't particularly suited to, to the way that he plays. I don't know. I think the Pulis style isn't. Mm. I, I, you could visibly see him asking for the ball um, in mid field um, under Pulis and not receiving it and getting frustrated Pardew I think there might be a, mm. a window of opportunity there for mm. him to play under Pardew but he's obviously not doing it um, behind closed doors on the training pitch otherwise he, he would have been in that team mm-hmm. um, or he would have come off the bench certainly so I think um, yeah a long way back for him he needs to he needs to really knuckle down Do you reckon this explains why I mean because everyone was shocked when they saw him linked away with PSG and then you know 
I mean, no discredit to Albion, but the, you know, it's not a club you'd expect someone like Krakowiak to land at. Does this kind of explain why PSG maybe let him go? No, he wasn't getting games on at PSG purely because of the system they play and because they are they blitz teams in that league and and um, you know their owners want them to play more attacking exciting brand of football and he's a, a holding midfielder mm. alright I've got a bit of a quiz prepared but we are running on a little bit so I'm going to let this down to you guys do you want to play this quiz or do you want to uh, do you want to end this early and how save quick the is the quiz well it's the who dares wins so for those who don't know that's the one where you bid on the number of answers you can more issue. let's we do one round do you want to do one round because yeah, I do round. really well at quizzes so uh, <laughs> okay so I've prepared one for you so just quick go for if you don't know this this quiz uh, I give someone a subject, or I give the, the pair of you a subject, you each bid on how many answers you can provide, and then if the person tells the other one to name it after their bid, they have to try and name everyone. If they, if they can, they win. If they don't, then the win goes to the other player. Uh, and our subject today is previous West Brom managers. Now, this is the history of the club. So there are a lot okay. of previous <laughs> managers, as you may imagine. Uh, so I'm going to start the bidding what? with Matt Wilson. How many previous West Brom managers oh, can you name? Five. We'll start with five. Go with six. Six. Seven. Seven. Eight. Oh, eight. Nine. Nine. Can he go into double figures, Mr. Turton? Ten then, yeah. Ten. Eleven. Oh, now I'll call you on that, I think. 11. Yeah. Previous West Brom managers. Previous West Brom managers. So, uh, by the looks of this, this, all, this also includes managers who've taken taken charge on a temporary basis. Okay. Um, well, so I'll start. I've, got, bit, I've got a feeling Matt Wilson will walk this. <laughs> yeah, actually. I've, yeah. um, well, I've got a joke to start with, mm. which on. only really works on uh, when you hear it. How many Allens have managed the Albion? I've no idea. Well, you've got a list in front of you, Luke, so you well, should do. <laughs> depends if you include including first names or last names. Well, that's the, that's the joke, isn't it? That's so the actual answer <laughs> the actual answer is four, but you can say five. Because you've got Alan Buckley. One. Um, Alan Ashman. Two. Alan Irvine. Three. Alan Pardew. Four. And then the fifth, Ronnie Allen. Oh, oh nice. yes, very good. So have I got five there? That's, That's five, five there. That's five. Five to start. Okay. Easy. Tony Pulis. Yeah. Six. Pepe Mel. Seven. Gary Megson. Eight. Um, Ozzy Ardiles. Nine. Uh, Roy Hodgson. Yeah. Ten. You've nailed it. So I need one more. Who have I, who have I not said? Um, do, do, do. Ron Atkinson. Ron Atkinson is there. Well, very well, well done. Easy. Rather yeah. easy for Matt Wilson that <laughs> he's one. I'll oh, be sure to come up with a harder quiz next time. No, he's owned it. He's owned it. Yeah. So we'll finish with predictions as always. West Brom take on Swansea at the Liberty Stadium. Matt Wilson will be there at the game. Matt Wilson, what are you predicting? Swansea one, West Brom three. Ah, oh, like it. That's nice. That's nice. Goal scorers. What do you think? I'm going to go with uh, Robson Carnu. Yes. Rodriguez. Phillips. Oh, oh, nice. what, what a game of football that would be. Mr. Oh, Turt? Uh, I am thinking we may not even concede. I fancy us for an early goal, mm-hmm. take control of the game, and then score maybe in the last 15, 2 0. Goal yes. scorers? Uh, Rondon, I'm going to think, might pick the early one out, and then, um, I don't know, um, maybe a nice header from uh, Johnny Evans towards the end oh, of the set yes. piece. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going for 2-0 as well. You've actually taken the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. I even predicted a Johnny Evans header late on. Oh, great um, lines, great lines. Yeah, but I, I predicted Jay Rodriguez opener. So uh, hopefully that, that those predictions come, come good because, yes. you know, it's a win which was desperately needed by Albion. Be a nice early Christmas present. It certainly would be for everyone involved. Uh, so thanks a lot for joining us, guys. Uh, Mr. Turton, thank you. Thank you. Mr. Wilson. Thank you. And we will see you guys next week. 